Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Glad you joined us, either in person or online. We're in a series about uh, relationships called Known. And uh, back up. <laughs> Can we back up? Yes, credibility. We're going to talk about credibility this morning. How to build trust. And then I want to start with the question, why build trust? Well, there's lots of different reasons for building trust. Uh, a salesperson, anybody work in sales? Or some of you I know did once upon a time. What you have to do in sales is get the person to trust you, right? Or they trust your product, then it makes it a little bit easier. Um, you're not really necessarily trying to develop a deep relationship with that person, but trust. Uh, I have a son who sells cars, and he evidently does a pretty good job because m- m- many people come back the next time when they want to buy a car. So they... He has built trust with them, right? So, trust is what we might call the fuel for deeper relationships. As our trust grows, our relationship grows, as our trust erodes, our relationship erodes. Now, we're talking about relationship because the most important thing probably in life is relationships, right? If my relationships are good, eh, other stuff, I may be struggling with my health or something else, but basically life's good, right? If I'm struggling with my relationships, even though everything else is going well, it's just life doesn't seem quite right. Now, we talk about credibility. I got thinking, uh, that's not really a very romantic word, is it? If I say to my wife, oh, you're so credible, it doesn't do much. Now, if I say you're incredible, now that's like a compliment, isn't it? But credibility is huge in building trust in our relationships. Quick review, last week we talked about authenticity, uh, being yourself. Uh, One of the scripture verses we talked about, not wearing a mask. We saw that in the video. By the way, guys, when you buy gifts for your wife, hopefully keep the receipts, right? Um, Reading from Romans, love others well. I like that phrase, love others well. Bring that up, please. There we go. And don't hide behind a mask. And there's our word for last week, love authentically. And you can go back and watch that if you missed it. Um, so I'm going to talk about how to build trust, or in some cases, rebuild trust, and give you some hopefully practical ways to do that. So I think there's five of them. First one is talk honestly. If you want to build trust, you've got to talk honestly. One of the God's big ten is what? Do not what? Lie. It's in the Scripture multiple places, but here it is in Leviticus. Do not lie. Now, it's interesting because all of us kind of do sometimes, don't we? But the question is why? Why lie? Well, sometimes it's just because we've got something we don't want people to know. We think if they really, uh, if I told the truth, I'd get in trouble. Um, sometimes we do it to theoretically protect somebody. Um, so what are some keys to, to, to talking truthfully? Are talking honestly. Um, so, point one is this: be truthful. Don't lie. Be truthful. Uh, writer of Proverbs put it this way: an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. There seems to be this connection between honesty and intimacy. The greater our honesty is, the greater our intimacy. It doesn't have to be sexual; just be our closeness, our deepness of our relationship. Honesty draws us together. Dishonesty tears us apart. 
Again, why aren't we honest? Because we fear. Most of the time we fear something. Something bad is going to happen. Now, sometimes it is to protect other people. Sometimes protect ourselves. I got to think of thinking guys, us that are married, it isn't really fair when our wife comes to us and asks, do I look fat in this outfit? That's not fair. How do we answer that? Ladies, how do we answer that? Of course not. Well, what if you do? Do we just lie? I mean, it's just, an, uh, just not a fair question. Or the hair. How does my hair look? Do you guys get that one? I get that one. Um, I say, do you like your hair? And she says, yeah, uh, it looks great then. It looks great. Yeah. <laughs> if you like it, <laughs> it's great. But it's fear, right? Fear that you're going to reject me. Fear you're going to push me away. Fear that uh, you're going to find out something about me you don't like. Whatever it might be. So, is there somebody that you have a relationship with that you need to be more honest with? Now, along with honesty comes something that's really important, and that's, I'll put it on the outline this way, thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. A passage most of you have probably read before. It's in Ephesians. It says, we speak the truth in love. So we're going to be honest, but we're also going to be thoughtful. We're going to be caring. We're going to be loving because in that way we grow to, in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And what happens is sometimes we speak truth in anger or in frustration, don't we? And who are the people that we usually do that to? It's usually the people that are closest to us, which seems a little odd, doesn't it? So in love means for their benefit. So I'm going to speak the truth in a way that's to your benefit. All right? It's not to get out my frustration. It's not to put you down. It's not to make me look better. It's for your benefit. Uh, so, thoughtful. Uh, sometimes we think that the loving things, the truthful thing is not the loving thing. So we've got to mesh those two things. And the third one I don't think we think about very often is to be clear need to be clear. Jesus said something in the Sermon on the Mount, I think we just kind of skip over it because there's all these other things that are so radical that he said. But this was interesting. Uh, in Matthew, he says this, simply, uh, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. And my wife said, well, what does that mean? Well, it means you don't need, you have, you've built up enough trust that you don't have to swear an oath, get people to believe you. I cross my heart and hope to die, one type thing. No, you just, your word is your bond. What you say is the truth. So you're going to say yes or you're going to say no. Now, communication is complicated, right? You've got what you said. You've got what you think you said. You've got what they heard, uh, what they think they heard. And there's other levels beyond that. So when we technique to teach in counseling is when you're in a conversation with somebody, always ask or always say, this is what I heard you say. It might not be what you intended to say or it might be not the, the uh, transfer the information you wanted to say. So consequently, this is what I heard you say. Is that what you meant? And you say, no, I meant this or, or vice versa. Just a communication technique. Now, if somebody does not understand you, has communication taken place? I got to thinking, I don't think my wife was in here when I was talking about this in the first service. When we first started dating, 
I had just been through six and a half years of higher education, finishing up seminary. She had just graduated from high school. All right? So those of you who lived in academia for a while, you begin to talk like other people in academia. So it was kind of funny. When my wife and I started dating, I would talk to her sometimes, and she would look at me kind of funny like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it seemed perfectly sensible to me, but it wasn't. She wasn't understandable. Missionaries in Portugal. The first year I was there, I couldn't speak Portuguese, and so I was asked to preach one time. And so if I had gotten up and preached in English and the audience was Portuguese, would communication have happened? No. So consequently, our language teacher, one of the language teachers, uh, I trusted her, use the word trust, to translate accurately, and she was a believer, accurately what I was trying to communicate in English for those in Portuguese. It's really important in church. Um, I try not to use what I call churchese when I'm up here speaking. But if you're not from a church background, is communication happening if I'm using big, strange church words you don't know? No, communication doesn't happen. So I work really hard in trying not to do that so I can communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, If we don't understand each other, of course, communication deteriorates, relationships deteriorate. We see this between nations as well as between individuals. So make it clear. Um, I'm going to share with you one of my favorite communication uh, videos. It's called, It's Not About the Nail. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out... See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. If you would just... Don't! Try to see things my way. Okay. Communication is complicated, right? It's complicated. And so we're trying to build trust. So we're going to share the love, or share the truth in love. Secondly, we need to focus on what I'm going to call respect, respect for one another. Um, Huge component of good relationships. Um, Peter puts it this way, respect everyone. Now, why should we respect everyone? Well, everyone is a unique creation of God, right? that Jesus died for, 
So if God, Jesus died for them, you and I certainly should respect that. Love the family of believers, fear God, respect God, and respect the king or, or those in authority over us. Now, the more we get to know one another, it's sometimes harder to show respect, doesn't it? Because what happens is, I begin to see your flaws. I become, begin to see your shortcomings. I get, come to see your sins even, right? And so, it becomes harder sometimes to show respect. But as, as the relationship grows and we still show respect, it brings a, a, a strength to the relationship. Now, I'm not just talking about marriage, but I, I wanted to focus on marriage on this point here. Uh, scripture talks a lot about it. Uh, a verse in Ephesians, <laughs> chapter 5. If you've been in church for a while, you're very familiar with this verse. Well, I love the amplified version. It's a lot, lot longer, but it really helps us understand, I think, what Paul is uh, trying to communicate to us. Each man among you, without exception, right? Everybody, all men is to love his wife as his very own self. What's that mean? With behavior worthy of respect. Guys, want our wives to respect us? We should have behavior worthy of respect and esteem. Seeking the best for her in an attitude of loving kindness. Now, love's a great word, but when you add kindness to it, just something special about it, right? I had this loving kindness for you. And now the wife must see it that she respects and delights in her husband. I asked my wife if she delights in me. Of course, she said yes, but I might have been sarcastically. But anyway, <laughs> then she, uh, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. Now, what it sounds like to me is almost like idolizing each other. And in a good way, that we just hold this other pe person up in high esteem. We high respect. I shared this before. My wife, sometimes when we're bumping heads, she reminds me, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Now, can you have respect without trust? Yes. As we talked about. Respect the king. Do you always trust the king? Politicians, do we always trust them? No. We respect their position, right? Um, but the opposite isn't true. I can't trust people I don't respect. I can't. I can't trust them. Right? You can't either. Peter also addresses this topic, and then we'll move on. In the same way, husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat you with understanding as you live together. We're talking, next point's going to be about understanding. She may be weaker than you, not mentally or emotionally or intellectually, but physically, obviously. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Notice this. So your prayers will not be hindered. Wait, wait, wait a minute, God. You mean to tell me if I am not honoring my wife. You're not going to listen to my prayers. Now, I don't know how to explain that, but there is some kind of connection evidently. Our relationship this way affects our relationship this way. Uh, we can talk about unforgiveness. We'll talk about that in a few more weeks. Um, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, your father won't forgive you. So, that's huge. So, 
give you a couple practical suggestions how to show respect. Uh, one, undivided attention. So, when my wife walks into the room and I'm watching TV, automatically goes on pause, and I look at her, right? She comes into my office. I have a chair behind me as I sit at my desk. She comes in my office. I pause whatever's on the screen, or I just stop and turn around and talk to her, right? Simple, but undivided attention. We've all been trying to listen to somebody and trying to do something else at the same time, and all of a sudden they say something, catches our attention, and then we're trying to catch up in the conversation. No, no, no. Undivided attention shows respect. Um, call it the 10 to 1 rule. We need to put in positive input into our relationships 10 times more than we do the negative. If I give my wife 10 compliments and then I say, hey, you look like you need to lose a few pounds, what is she going to remember? I, didn't, I haven't said that to her, anyway. That's all you remember, right? We, we, we latch on to those negative things. She need, somebody came up with this 10 to 1 rule, but I think it's probably pretty accurate. We need, I need to input 10 positive things for every negative thing. Huge with those parents with kids. You really need to deal with your kid, um, etc. Uh, third, celebrate. I'm not talking about birthdays. I'm talking about celebrate some, something that you see God at work in them. All right? So, oh, you, you know, that was a... You, you used to not be that generous. Let's celebrate the fact. Compliment. By compliment, I mean not in front of her or him. For me, it's a her, obviously, my wife. Um, compliment other people, when you're talking to other people that she doesn't even hear. The cool thing is, eventually it usually gets back to her or him, right? But don't get compliment just to get brownie points. Compliment showing respect. And then simply thank God for that person. Uh, my wife and I pray together. So, you know, I almost always thank God for my wife, right? So, respect. Truth, speak the truth, respect. Thirdly, understanding. Understanding. Huge in relationships, right? <laughs> Again, if I understood, I'd not communicated. Specifically understand their perspective. Everybody believes what they believe what they, for what they think is a good reason. This is so important when you and I that are Jesus followers talking to people that aren't. And if you're with this and not a Jesus follower, we're, we're glad that you're here. I think this, this information will be helpful to you. But um, they have a good reason to believe that. So I need to try and understand their perspective so I can share Jesus with them. So, Scripture says it this way. Don't look out for your, only for your own interest, because we all do that, but take an interest in others too. It's interesting, when you meet somebody, new, a new person, if you just start asking them questions, they, you automatically are beginning to build trust and understanding with that other person. Tell me what you do, what do you like to do, what are your hobbies, whatever it might be. On the flip side, do you trust somebody that has nobody's interest in mind except for their own? Do you trust somebody like that? No, we don't. Here's a practical example from Scripture. Uh, 
Paul said, rejoice with those who rejoice, share others' joys, and weep with those who weep, sharing grief. Now, especially when people are sad, what do we usually try and do? I don't think it's necessarily always wrong. But we try and cheer them up, don't we? And sometimes we need to do that. But when somebody's truly grieving, especially a loss of a loved one or a pet, um, we need to just grieve with them, don't we? I call it God's math. Sorrow that is shared is halved. Joy that is shared is doubled. God's wonderful math. So, seek to understand. Uh, what are we on? Four? Fourthly, uh, start small. Start small. Jesus, you make this application in lots of areas of life, but Jesus told the story and he said it, this way, if you're faithful in little things, little money, little whatever, uh, bring that up, Luke. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest, even in little things, we talk about little, little white lies, there's no such thing, right? Dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. So, when you get promise somebody something, maybe something simple, something small, do you keep that promise? Or do you break that promise? Because that wasn't a big deal. Parents, especially with your kids, be really careful what you promise your kids. Because they don't understand when you say, oh, I got busy, I can't, we can't do that now. Right? So, trust. Some of us need to rebuild trust in some relationships. Don't we? I came across the story of this guy who's adult. His father was an alcoholic. And he was asked, when will you begin to trust your dad again? He said, after he's been to 100 AA meetings. He'll begin, but not till then. Trust is like the foundation of relationships. And the person has done some construction. A simple question is it. Which is harder to do, to build a foundation or to rebuild a foundation? You know what's harder and more expensive to do? It's to rebuild the foundation. So trust is hard enough to build. Rebuilding trust is even harder. Not saying you can't do it, but it's harder. Oh, is it scary? Yeah, it's scary. But what options do you have? To lose a relationship is the only other option, right? Speaking of being faithful, we are all given lots of trust. I don't know if you thought about this this way. This way, your life is a trust. Your talents are a trust. Your re financial resources are a trust. Your relationships are a trust. So Paul said this in Corinthians, Now it is required of those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So are you faithful with your time? Are you faithful with your talents? Are you faithful with your financial resources? Are you faithful in your relationships? Meaning, are you being obedient to God? Are you being surrendered to God's will in those areas? So I asked this question on your outline, and um, 
what is the most important thing entrusted to you? So we could argue that a little bit. I think probably yourself is, right? When I just talked about what God has given you. But an extension of that, anyway, would be your relationships, right? God has entrusted your relationships to you. So we are responsible for loving those people, uh, respecting those people, understanding those people. And then lastly, be patient. Be patient. Why be patient? Because we need people to be patient with us, don't we? We're not growing as fast as we should. We're not maturing as fast as we should. We're not getting you know, over this bad habit as fast as we should. We need people to be patient with us. <clears throat> Paul said it this way to church in Thessalonica. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. That kind of includes everyone, doesn't it? Be patient with everyone. Be patient with the, you know, when you're in the checkout line. Be patient uh, um, with those you care about. Your children not getting, progressing or growing as fast as you want. Obviously, be patient with your spouse. Kids, with parents, be patient with your parents. They're learning this parenting thing just as well. Uh, We all need people to be patient with us. It's interesting, um, Paul wrote this chapter in the Bible we call the love chapters in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so it's a fascinating description of love. But anyway, get down to the fourth verse. Here's how he actually begins his description of love. You know what he says first? Oh, now it's on the screen. (laughs) Love is patient. Ooh, I don't know about you, but okay. Um, Mine isn't so patient sometimes. No, no, no. First and foremost, love is patient. And we won't do the whole text. um, But who are we least patient with sometimes? The people we say we love the most. Our kids and our spouses and grandkids. Then he finishes up this middle of the chapter with this description of love. Verse 7, love never gives up. That's infinite patience, right? Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Is there some situation that you feel like giving up on? Maybe you have given up on. Well, love never gives up. Now, we're talking about being unselfish, and that's the, the, the challenge, right? Because all of us are selfish by nature, and love is an unselfish act. So, we may not always keep our promises, but guess who does keep all his promises? I want to end with that. It's in Psalm. This text is in Psalm. The Lord always keeps his promises. Always. 100% of the time. He is gracious in all he does. Do we? No. So we need forgiveness and we need to re- rebuild trust because we don't always keep our promises, but he does. Now, there's kind of a general conclusion here. All these steps, whatever step you want to pick, involves risk, right? Okay, 
I'm going to tell you the truth. It may, uh, you may decide not, you know, you, you don't want to continue the relationship with me, but I, I, I got to tell you the truth. There's a risk. You can respect people that don't respect you back, right? That's risk. You can seek or maybe actually understand somebody else and they don't even care less if they understand you or not. All these steps require risk. Uh, thing I shared with you, Spurgeon, uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, Spurgeon said, uh, when we risk it all for Jesus, it's the end of all risk. I just love that. If we don't risk, our relationships won't grow. It requires risk. And of course, the greatest example is Jesus Christ. He risked it all. He left heaven. He risked coming to earth. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when he took on our sins, what if God cast him out into hell for eternity? Because that's what would happen to us if we carry our sins in, into death. But Jesus left heaven. He came here. He put up with us. And then the Scripture says He died while we were yet sinners or while we yet didn't care about Him, while we didn't have any interest in Him. So the bottom line was He could have died for us, took the risk with no reward. Noah may have not come to believe. The ultimate risk. So, follow up. Where are you going to start? Building or rebuilding trust. The area of truthfulness, that's a tough one sometimes because truth hurts. The area of respect, understanding, small things. I kind of know the answer to this, not specifically, but let me kind of clue you in. Of course, I ask God for strength for that step. It's probably where you don't want to. It's going to be hard. But that's what's going to make it worthwhile. Let me pray with you. Ah, Father God, thank you that you were willing to take the ultimate risk with your only Son, come to earth and suffer and to die for us so that we could have a relationship with you. You could have left us all to damnation for eternity, but you loved us too much to do that. Thank you, God. We pray with that, your strength, we can love people like that. We can take the risk that's required to deepen those relationships. Because it is a risk that we may be rejected. God, we ask for your wisdom and strength and, and guidance in, in, in doing these things. That we would love well. We would respect other people, whether they respect us or not. God, relationships are huge to us and they're huge to you. And We need them, and we'd love for them to be better. But it's hard and scary sometimes. So thank you. Would you empower us with your love to love others. 
And those of you that may be watching or listening that are not Jesus followers, we just encourage you to accept that gift this morning. There's no greater act of love the universe has ever seen or you've seen. It exceeds the love of your parents or your spouses or whoever it might be. Because Jesus took the ultimate risk not knowing that you would respond or not. I pray that you do. It's a gift, free gift. Confess your sins and repent and receive God's forgiveness and enter into an eternal relationship with Almighty God. And we pray that that would be your prayer this morning. Uh, thank you for speaking to us through this service, God. And we pray that we continue to honor you and build up your, your children. In your name we pray. Amen.